You are listening to episode 159 of the Game Deflators Podcast. My name's John, and I'm joined by Ryan. Hey, everybody here at the Game Deflators Podcast, we like to talk about games we've recently picked up, games we're currently playing, and it's prime time for some slime time in this week's Inflation Deflation Challenge. So this week, we are playing a little bit of Todd's Adventure in Slime World on a Sega Genesis. Uh, different versions of that game have come out over the years, but of course I played a Genesis version because I have a Hyperkin and I've got or Hyperkin Retron 5, and I've also got the, of course, the, uh, the game itself in Genesis. All right, so dude, been a crazy week, Thanksgiving, Black Friday sales, Cyber Monday is going to be out today when you're hearing this episode. Get those deals! Yeah, some good stuff out there. Did you pick anything up? Um, For Black Friday, uh, just some stuff for like around the house. I didn't really get like anything for me or... I don't know, I didn't find anything for like crazy for, you know... Anybody else? I don't know. I don't really go out early, but I always kind of go out later in the day. We hit like a home store and Hobby Lobby and I did go to a game store. I got some dragon sleeves, dragon shield sleeves for like 25% off and some top loaders for 25% off and um, I got like a few packs of Crimson Vow, but nothing big, nothing cool. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, I myself was obviously flying that day, so it was like 8 a.m. I had to go fly, which meant wake up at like 5.30, get to the airport by 6 mm -hmm. from home. But um, I did pick up a number of things from my house uh, down where I used to live. And so I got some records that I picked up, uh, about 5,000 magic cards that my brother gave me. So that's going to be pretty insane. A bunch of old... Uh, actually, I got a couple of video games that I'd forgotten about. So I got like my Ratchet and Clank, um, one of my PS2 Ratchet and Clank games that I happen to have the cakes for, but I don't have the game, and now I have the game again because I found it. Uh, Terminator 3, I think it was, on the Xbox, and a couple other things. Um, and then, let's see, what else? A uh, bunch of anime DVD cases that I hadn't had in years, so like my Evangelion set, Last Exile, all that cool stuff. Um, and as far as Black Friday sales are concerned, I picked up Dragon Quest Eleven and Everybody's Golf VR, both on PS4. Um, so those will be coming in here pretty soon, so I'm excited about that. I did miss out on the Home Depot Black Friday stuff. I was really wanting to hit that up for the house. Mm. <laughs> you know, like, it's crazy. You know, once you get into a whole, like, home ownership aspect... You're like, what does Home Depot have for sale? What does Harbor Freight have for sale? That reminds me, I need to go to Home Depot today. Yeah, you probably should. Yeah. Um, you got to build a deck, right? Because that's what we do when we own a house. We build decks. Right. Yeah. Uh, but that's really about it, dude. I don't do the early thing anymore either. It's just not worth my time. And most of the sales are online anyways. There are some cool like in-store sales, but I didn't see anything that really like piqued my interest this go around. And most of what I... like. There weren't a whole lot of games I wanted at the price point I wanted. Like, I'm not going to sit there and pay 20 bucks. There were some for... good sales. But there Nintendo were. even had some sales. There were. But they were like, kind of cheap sales. Yeah, but... Nintendo's always like 40 bucks, you know, for a game that's been out for five years, yeah. right? So I didn't pick up any Nintendo games in particular. Um, but most of the games I wanted were like $20. I'm like, I'm not going to pay $20 for a game that I have seen on sale for $20 before Black Friday. And usually the indication is if it's hitting $20 on Black Friday... It's at least it's for gonna like, go down. Yeah, at least for like the older titles, it's gonna go down. Yeah. So like, why am I gonna sit there and buy it on Black Friday? But everybody's golf is ten bucks, and then Dragon Quest Eleven, the like complete version on PS4, was like fifteen bucks. So, okay. and I've been wanting those for a while. Um, and then uh, I'll jump into my currently playing before you talk about your currently playing. So I went ahead and beat Super Blood Hockey. That was uh, you know, we had Barry on last yeah. week. We chatted about. Um, you know, the different games that gonna get out. your patches. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna get my patches. So I did a opening video on our Twitter, so at Game Deflators on that. Um, so you can check that out. Uh, but I did the unboxing video for Barry and the Premium Edition team, and then I went ahead and uh, did the challenge, which the challenge was cool. So um, I guess diving into a little bit Super Blood Hockey since I did end up beating it. Uh, there's like a challenge mode, which has nothing to do with the Premium Edition Games challenge. It's just its own challenge mode. There's the like standard exhibition mode. Um, there is a tournament mode. And then there is like the uh, franchise mode, which is what we were talking about with Barry. 
and so with the franchise mode, it's really cool because you you start off with uh, your your coach or whatever he you name your coach whatever you want, right? So I name mine like Coach J. And so he comes up and he's like, hey, I want to start a team. And they say, okay, well, to start this team, you're going to need X amount of funds. Oh, you don't have those funds? Well, it looks here in the paperwork like you've got a great working kidney that's all natural. So we'll take that. And he's like, wait, what? And they said, like, um, uh, what is it? They give him a sedative, like right off the bat, they shoot him with tranks. And they like take this giant ass like saw and like rip out your kidney. And they're like, that's enough funds. Here's $10,000. You could start a hockey team. And so you have to like recruit prisoners uh, within the game to be able to start your team. And they all have their different stats and whatnot. They all have brain damage. They all have like crazy things tied to them. And I would say like the game itself isn't too hard. Um, you know, at, at the beginning it is kind of difficult because you have this base team with like not a whole lot of stats. Um, but I was able to get past that. You get some money from that and you're able to like put it into other items like feeding your players. Um, so you can like decide if you want to starve them. If you want to feed them like a feast, you manage your weight. Um, you can manage the, uh, their strength and conditioning and such. You can give them drugs like Barry was saying. So like, uh, giving them weed lowers their brain damage, giving them steroids increases a couple things. Uh, there's like a weight loss, a weight gainer. And I think there's one other item that I didn't get to pick up. And so you give them those items and like after every game or really every day, you tell them, Hey, hit the showers, hit the bags, hit the weights, hit the treadmill, do whatever you need to do. And based on what they do, recovers or increases certain stats. And so you just go each and every day, you have your breaks and you have your game days. Um, within the games themselves, it's actually fairly easy, the game, like understanding like the concept and what to do, it's hockey. It is kind of difficult with the goalies because the goalies mm -hmm. are like actually pretty good <laughs> in the game. Um, but as long as you kind of understand like passing the puck the right way and, you know, getting your open lanes and kind of, you know, Getting it to where the goalie kind of goes to one side, and you can flash it really quick up one side and hit a goal. It's not too bad. There are a few games actually like ten and eleven goals towards the end of the franchise, or yeah, the franchise. Um, and it looks like the franchise is just a continuation. So I got through uh, one season, um, and then I started the second season. I'm like, well, if I'm just gonna get another trophy and like continue building on, it doesn't make sense for me to continue playing the franchise mode over and over again. I'm gonna double check just in case there's like hey, it unlocks X within five franchise modes. But it's, it seemed to me like it's like any Madden or hockey game or basketball game you can get. You, you just kind of do it again. Yeah, exactly. And that's what it felt like. You, of course, use the same players and build them up yeah. and get them for like this stupid, powerful team um, and kind of build from there. But other than that, I mean, I didn't see a, a reason to like continue playing, mm -hmm. put more continual hours into it. So I probably played about, you know, 10 hours over the course of the last week and finished up everything I felt like I needed to do, beat the challenges. Um, the challenge from Premium Edition Games was really cool. Uh, you had to kill somebody on the other team. Mm -hmm. And so whenever you injure somebody, it has like the different ways that they've been injured. So like one of my players had like a severely bruised testicle. Another guy had like a broken femur. Somebody died of like a lacerated like liver or some crap, an exploded hand on another one. It's insane. And like based on the type of injury they get determines if they can re-enter the game or not. Um, so of course if they die that guy's gone and that's it um, and then based on what the game says you can throw them in the dumpster out back uh, mm. when all said and done uh, there's like a med room and a bunch of stuff so it was pretty cool I would uh, I would recommend it to anybody that's into sports games like retro and just wants a little bit of fun uh, tied to that I don't they don't have any copies online but I'm sure you might be able to get some you know secondhand at this point uh, but with that said if you know check out premium edition games and if there's anything that um, you know, you like in their series three, pick it up now. I think Barry told us December 16th was the last day to order for that. And, um, you know, so far I'm liking what they've put out. It's good stuff. Series three looks good too. Uh, but I beat that. And then of course we're still playing rise of a tomb Raider. And, uh, I am now playing forgotten Anne on the Nintendo switch. Uh, so that one's like an anime style side scrolling game with like decision-making. Uh, so you, you pretty much have to, in certain situations, make a decision on what you want to do. Uh, but the general base is like there's these forgotlings, which are like forgotten socks and forgotten trunks and like all these different items that are given like this. All arcana. my missing socks. All your missing socks are the forgotlings. And so they're given like this arcana so they can like work in this area. And the goal right now is to like these rebels have taken down like this ether portal or something. And uh, you're trying to put it back up. And there's some sort of like, you know, if the rebel attack right now, I'm trying to find who the rebel was and what's going on and 
Rebel uh, scum. Rebel scum. But it's it's pretty cool so far. I'm liking it. And, um, you know, I don't know if it's going to be like $70, $80 cool based on whatever eBay is right now. Um, but it's a lot of fun in the in the time I've had. And I'm hoping it's like seven hours. So I'm hoping to beat it by next week and start another game. So that, dude, that'll knock off like four games in the last 30 days, roughly, which is actually pretty shocking for me to beat that many. Uh, but that's where I'm at now. So uh, the key question that I and other people are wondering is, where are you currently on Super Mario Odyssey? So I beat that dragon. Okay. And now I'm in Bowser's Kingdom. Okay. And I mean, I were you guys just talking about like the moon? I know you go to like the moon after Bowser's Kingdom. Yeah, the moon. Okay. Yeah. So I'm not there yet, but I will be there soon. Okay. The moon is actually really fun. And then, uh, yeah... I, I didn't have a whole lot of time that I was actually playing this week. Um, I tried to hop on the Halo multiplayer a couple times, and it was, like, down mm-hmm. when I was trying to hop on. But, I mean, it's technically still in beta. And, I mean, they're doing so much... Uh, I don't know. Like, it seems like they're listening kind of to feedback and trying to make some changes and stuff. Like, they did some updates to the Battle Pass last week, but... Their battle pass system is just so weird compared to, like, I got very used to doing the Apex because that was the only battle pass, you know, online game like that that I'd played in recent memory. So, I mean, I've played, like, I don't know, let's say, like, at least 15 matches, uh, maybe 20. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're quite a bit shorter than Apex matches, and I'm only level 2. Yeah. On the battle pass. Like, that's... The progress is, like, you get, like, 50, maybe 200 out of, like, a 1,000. So, it's slow goings there. And then most of the items, unless you get the premium battle pass, like, almost everything on there is a, like, change the challenge or EXP boost. Mm -hmm. Like, almost all of the cosmetics are behind the premium battle pass. They don't even let you pick your own colors anymore. Like, the colors are a part of, like, a cosmetic. Hmm. So it's, like, all the things that you used to be able to just customize in Halo are all behind, like, a wall now. And, I mean, that's just the age that we live in. I guess you just kind of got to make do, you know, try to be as creative as you can with what you get, I suppose. Well, at the end of the day, I mean, it is a free game, right? Yeah. I mean, you're going to play it as much as you want. You're not forced to purchase that stuff. So I think that's where it's always an issue, right? Oh, you want to get, like, the special perk that's going to help you deal extra damage and you got to pay for it. I think that's where I have an issue with it. Yeah. But it's, it's still all cosmetic. Yeah. The cosmetic stuff, 100% cool. If you want to pay money for cosmetics, they, have at it. They do have an interesting idea that I kind of like is that their battle passes don't expire. Huh. And when you buy, like, the premium battle pass, you know how usually that gets you, like, 30 levels instantly or something like that? Mm-hmm. Well, instead it gives you, like, I think I think it might be, like, 25 levels worth of, like, EXP boosters. So you get, like, 100, 250-point EXP boosters that you can use whenever you want. So you could buy this first premium battle pass... And just play, and if you don't really want anything, like you don't have to spend any of those EXP boosters on that. You can just wait for the next Battle Pass to come out and use them all on that one. Or, you know, if you come in later on down the road, maybe you'll have access to all the previous Battle Passes that are in play still. You know, I'm not exactly how sure, you know, how they'll work it all out in the future, but, I mean, that's kind of an interesting system. Um... The other cool thing I checked out this week was the Halo 20th anniversary. They made this Halo Museum, or not Halo, uh, Xbox 20th anniversary. They made this Xbox online museum thing. And if you go there and you put in like your uh, Xbox Live handle stuff, uh, you can go through part of this museum and see all these different stats on all of your you know, most played games and your history with games, what your first things were on consoles, what your first dates were, is very interesting and kind of tailored to you in a cool way. I, I didn't check out all the different exhibits and stuff, but I did make sure to check out that part at least. And <laughs> there's just this like, here's all the time you spent with Xbox 360. 
and then crickets, and then here's when you got the Series S. <laughs> and I'm just wondering, like, how many people are going to have that Xbox One gap in there? Yeah, probably quite a few. Um, you know, as you know, I'm not a big Xbox gamer, but I thought it was pretty cool the whole museum thing that you that you sent us or mm-hmm. sent me on Discord. So I, I enjoyed that. That was pretty cool. I wish they would do something for Sony, unless they have and I just haven't noticed. I mean, I don't know. It it definitely seems like something I haven't seen before yeah. like that. Yeah. No, that sounds good, dude. Um, let's see. So anything else before we jump into our stuff this week? Nope. That's basically it. I'll play some more games this next week, I'm sure. Cool. Yeah, you've got a countdown of what? It's like 20 or no, 32 days roughly mm-hmm. to be Mario Odyssey. Pretty oh, close. Yeah. Pretty close. Uh, and then, yeah, and soon we'll be talking about our new game's resolutions. That uh, should be fun. All right, so uh, this week we're going to be talking about a few different things. So the PS5 outselling the Wii U in less than one year. Uh, so that's based on the sales of, I think it was October. Um, Dark Souls has been named the ultimate game of all time, along with PC being named uh, the ultimate hardware of all time. A former Metroid Prime engineer admitted that he was disappointed with the Wii's specs. I think a lot of us were, actually. And then uh, Sony could be planning a PlayStation mobile controller um, based on a recent patent that's come out. We've talked patents in the past, so we'll kind of talk about that one, too. Uh, but before that, of course, go ahead and subscribe on the podcast app you're listening to now or another podcast app that you might fancy. Uh, and you can find us on social media at Game Deflators on Twitter at The Game Deflators on Instagram and Facebook. And of course, find us on TheGameDeflators.com. All right. So our first thing, dude, the PS5 outselling the Wii U in less than one year. Uh, this is William D'Angelo at VG Charts. Dude, I love using VG Charts first off. Cause it's mm-hmm. just one of the coolest things. Like, I mean, you can like a video game sales in there. Sometimes they don't have like the most accurate count, but you can like a video game sales for like even things in PS2. Uh, it'll have uh, reference to that, um, and it gives you know total figures uh, as far as like when it was released, how many copies it sold worldwide, US, PAL, etc. And then for consoles, it's fantastic to look at because you can really do a general analysis on like everything that's ever come out for the most part. Um, so in this case, they're showing the PS5 outselling the Wii U in one year or less than one year. I don't find any surprise to this, to be honest. Um, what I did find kind of, but not really surprising is that the PS5 has only sold like 5 million, I was like 13 point something million consoles that sold globally. Only like 5.3 or 5.4 million were sold in the U S and normally that number is quite a bit higher uh, about this go around and so when compared to the ps4 when you look at it from a year-over-year basis not year-over-year but a first-year launch basis uh, it's actually behind the ps4 currently a lot of that i feel is of course supply chain issues and such um, so it does make me wonder is the ps5 going to outsell the ps4 um, based on the current trend that we see in terms of overall sales when doing a comparison, or are we going to see an increase in sales in 2022 and see it begin to outpace the PS4? Which would be interesting, because if it does outpace the PS4, that'll be roughly you know, two consoles in a row in which Sony is you know, really kind of hammering out the sales and, and showing some success you know, outside of the PS3. So PS1, PS2, PS4, and PS5 success would be pretty interesting. And to see PS3, which is honestly one of my favorite consoles, to see that one, you know, down in the dumps compared to the other four. Um, so we can dive into that a little bit later. But what are your thoughts on, you know, this thing outselling the the Wii U in just less than a year? I mean, I think that, you know, we all knew that it was going to happen. I don't know that I would have expected it to be this soon because it's like worldwide, global, lifetime sales. And this is just the first year and it's already blown that out of the water. I think I am super impressed that, you know, they are only half a million units behind the PS4, considering how much strife they've had with shipping and manufacturing and all that stuff. Um, And then seeing the splits between the different regions and how much their supply is, it really shows you like how light they've actually been doing in Japan and how much they're really focusing on outsourcing elsewhere and how, you know, the West is like a huge primary target nowadays, which, you know, wasn't always the case. Um, I think that, you know, the PS4, it still is for sale, you know, and people still have a hard time getting a hold of the PS5. So, 
you know, it will eventually get there. But I mean, we still don't know what that lifetime count's even going to be at for the PS4. So I wouldn't expect to see the PS5, like, to even be able to catch up to the PS4's, like, initial supply until, you know, after at least the first two years, like maybe this time next year. Well, no, because they already said that they were cutting back on the PS5 production for next year. So it's like, it'll probably be like four years before they even really have a chance to catch up to where the PS4 was at four years in, just through sheer manufacturing. And then we'll already be starting to look at, you know, revamping up for a slim or a pro model or, or doing something to shake it up a year after that. And I think that's where we'll really see the jump. Yeah, I'm looking at VG charts right now just to get a general idea here as far as uh, console hardware sales. So let's see, do they have lifetime sales on here right now? It just kind of has, uh, let's see, Sony consoles. Okay, so the PS4 is currently sitting at uh, 116 million units sold. They actually have the PS5 at 14.5 million units sold now on there, which is interesting. But, you know, for comparison's sake, I mean, that's that's not bad. I mean, it'll be interesting to see. So they got like 102 million to go? Uh, something like that, yeah. Uh, and I'll see, Microsoft consoles, uh, the Xbox One, by the way, 50.4 or 50.5 million consoles sold. That is worse than the 360, and the 360 was not exactly the best of sales, uh, which is why, you know, I kind of want to double down on that thing that I really do think the Series X, Series S is going to be Microsoft's last dive into hardware. Like, yeah. I, I just don't, like, the sales are lackluster, you know? If you're if you're looking at it as a vehicle for, like, you know, a cheaper entry point I think into... they'll go even cheaper. I think that, like, they won't need to have, like, such an install on a huge like they'll probably keep making like something equivalent to a series x yeah and then cut the series s down to the bare minimum you know like basically just a box that hooks you to game pass yeah you know, which is what I use mine for. I mean, for the most part, you know, it can do a lot of other stuff. But, I mean, once the cloud computing really takes off and you can just put something like that in a Roku stick, people mm -hmm. are just going to do that. I mean, we've talked before. Netflix is dabbling with streaming games now. I haven't checked that out yet. Have you? Uh, no, I haven't messed with it at all. You know, I'm just kind of dabbling in the sales figures here. Like, it, you know, if you really consider lifetime sales such as as big of a organizations nintendo is and as well as the switch is doing and as well as we did sony is still you know by far the giant in the in the big three i mean when you look at console sales overall uh i mean there's no doubt on that like you can the wii was successful but i think a lot of that was more on the gimmick aspect and, and what it was yeah and, but and the while they well. were selling the wii they were also selling like what 130 million ds's yeah exactly so you know, when you consider handheld, yeah, 100%. Like, there's no denying that, you know, Nintendo crushed it over the last, you know, several generations of gaming uh, with handhelds. You know, I, you can't go around that. So I think that's obviously it's bread and butter. But, you know, Nintendo's been okay with the, the console sales. The Switch has been super successful. But Sony's always just been a behemoth when it comes to, like, the home console setup. And uh, it's just interesting when you start looking at these lifetime sales. Well, um, overall, you could say that Sony may be, uh, you know, one of the greatest manufacturers of all time, but they certainly did not make the greatest hardware of all time. No, definitely not. Uh, so that title actually goes to PC. So uh, this is through PC Gamer. It's Andy Clark, and the article itself that we're that we've taken a look at is Andy Dark Chalk. Souls. Andy Chalk, yeah. Well, it's kind of hard with my bad eyesight. Uh, so Dark Souls was recently named the uh, ultimate game of all time. Uh, so I don't think there's any surprises here, along with no surprise at the PC. Uh, and I'll get into it. I'll get into it. Don't worry. I got my opinion on it. Um, and, uh, of course, PC being named like the ultimate hardware of all time. Uh, there's no surprise there. PC is always continually pushing the limits as far as gaming is concerned uh, and really just anything in general. And a lot of our consoles are, you know, essentially you know, in a, in a sense, prior gen 
PCs. PCs always ahead in terms well, of Well, no, I don't think anybody is going to... Uh, that's not where I'm at-ing. I'm at-ing at Dark, at Dark Souls. Souls. I know. And Dark Souls, I'll get into that really quick, Ryan. Um, I would say Demon Souls is really kind of the ultimate game of all time just because of what it meant for the industry. It really was the thing that kind of kicked off Dark Souls 1, uh, 2, 3, and so on. But digress on that. Dark Souls in general, I think, is just a very much... It's a well-rounded game. You've got your story. You've got your action. You've got your difficulty. You've got your crazy fan base for it. I mean, it's got everything you could ever want. <laughs> What's well-rounded about all that? What's ultimate about it is, like, how much it has progressed since that game came out on the PlayStation 3. Like, it has moved. It's an entire movement at this point, dude. Like, the Get Good movement, or Get Good movement, uh, all of the other, like, spinoffs that have happened. Elden Ring, Neo yeah, but is a whole thing. Everything that Dark Souls brought, like, I feel like Minecraft just brought way harder. Nah, dude. Screw Minecraft. Dude, Minecraft is the biggest, I mean, outside of GTA, Minecraft is, like, the biggest selling game ever. I mean, it's on... Wasn't it free for a number of years, though? It doesn't matter. It's then even more so. It's like... It's like everybody's got a copy of freaking Solitaire. Everybody's got a copy of Minecraft. I've probably got three different Minecrafts well, I could play if like, I wanted. I mean, if we want to go by that, you know, direction, and Tetris is the greatest game of all time or ultimate game, which obviously well, I would actually probably agree with. No, it's be. too limited. It doesn't do enough. But like Minecraft, you can literally like code inside and make whole worlds and stuff. Like Minecraft has so much going on. Like you could make dark souls inside of minecraft probably yeah but i mean to some degree dark souls that can wreck somebody's day instantly of just an invasion you could do that in minecraft too probably but it's not as cool it's all blocky yeah i just i think and also i'm gonna sound like an idiot here i don't ever remember hearing of the golden joystick before we talked about it last year. I, I don't remember it then. We talked about the Golden Joystick Awards Did we last talk year? about how I didn't remember it then, too? Probably. Okay, because I looked it up and I was like, man, this has been running for a long time, but I just like never remember hearing of it. But it's it's just so weird right now in 2021, they're going to come up with like Game of the Forever Award and System of the Forever Award. Well, it mean... just seems... It seems a little premature. Like, global warming hasn't set in yet. Like, they're still going to be making more games. I definitely think that there's going to be a lot of extra that they can... I mean, you can already keep squeezing Dark Souls for all of its legacy and everybody that loves it. But, like, you know, here's another award to throw on right before Elden Ring comes out that you can use as a promotion platform. So, I'm super happy for them. I mean... You know, they're definitely a great studio and they definitely make really good stuff and they definitely deserve it. Um, so ultimately, so, I'm happy about so it. Let, let's do this. Let's just go through the Golden Joystick Awards while we're at it. Right. Uh, so best storytelling, Life is Strange, True Colors. Best multiplayer game, It Takes Two, which I'm excited about because I just got that. Best audio, Resident Evil Village. Best visual design, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. Best Game Expansion, Ghosts of Tsushima, Iki Island. Oh, man, now I want to play that. Uh, mobile Game of the Year, League of Legends, Wild Rift. Best Gaming Hardware, PS5. Best, which I think really could be Switch. Um, best Indie Game, Death's Door. Studio of the Year, Capcom. The Switch couldn't be the best gaming hardware of the year that the PS5 came out. The Switch is four years old. It just says Best Gaming Hardware. It doesn't say of the year. Um, it's a yearly award. It's uh, it's implied. Okay, fine. It's implied. Uh, well, <laughs> Best how about gaming this? hardware of the year, 2020. Studio, I don't know, Super Nintendo. Studio of the year, Capcom. I mean, if you want to go by that account on it being... Capcom new, killed it this year. Yeah, they did. Uh, Best performer, Maggie Robertson. Uh, Lady... How do you say Dimitrescu. it? Yeah, Dimitrescu. Uh, in Resident Evil Village. Breakthrough Award, uh, House Marquee, uh, which was critically chosen, it says... Best Game Community, Final Fantasy XIV. Still Playing Award, Final Fantasy XIV. PC Game of the Year, Hitman 3. I kind of wish that would be like a PC-only type game, not something that's on other consoles. Uh, Nintendo Game of the Year, Metroid Dread, no surprise. Xbox Game of the Year, Psychonauts 2. PlayStation Game of the Year, Resident Evil Village. That See, I don't like that one either because like it's on other consoles. You know, I think it, it should be like the exclusives. It's the best thing I played on PS4 all year. Yeah. Um, most wanted game, Elden Ring, uh, C, Ultimate Game of the Year. 
Uh, that's coming out next year. Yeah, that's why it's the most wanted game. Uh, Critics' Choice Award Deathloop, uh, which was like 30 bucks, by the way, for Black Friday sales, so that's kind of crazy. Uh, Ultimate Game of the Year, Resident Evil Village. Best Gaming Hardware, PC, and then Ultimate Game of All Time, Dark Souls. I rest my case, Ryan. Between Elden Ring being the most anticipated game and Dark Souls being the ultimate game, it is the perfect package Dude, of Dude, if they, if they ever said, hey, we're making a Minecraft 2, the world would lose its shit. How are you going to make a Minecraft 2? I don't know, dude. Make it make it hexagons instead of squares. <laughs> <laughs> it's all geometry now. Dude, all right. it, would, it would instantly collapse. Like Kids everywhere would be like, no, I don't want to learn geometry. Well, speaking of disappointing gaming hardware, uh, we've got our next article. Former Wait, are Metroid you Prime... referencing that the Dark Souls is disappointing? No. You just said speaking of disappointing gaming hardware. John, just let me have this. We're moving on. Tell Ryan on on Former social. Metroid Prime engineer admits he was disappointed with the Wii specs. Uh, this is by Liam Doolin at Nintendo Life. Um, We're going to have to have Liam on at some point because we keep referencing his stuff. Fair point to this guy, uh, the engineer in question. He, you know, was not super jazzed about the Wii's power. Nobody really was. You know, after doing like... Prime and Prime 2 on the GameCube and then going on to make Prime 3 on the Wii, they didn't really get a lot of new tools in the chest to work with. And, you know, he says that he's not really a gameplay developer. So I feel for these developers that, you know, work at a studio and they really got into the industry to be on the bleeding edge of, you know, the technology and making the newest best stuff because... Gaming has been for so long about that, chasing that newest, sharpest resolution, the most, you know, uncanny valley we can approach. Let's get there and go as far as we can. So to be held back by, you know, the choices your studio is making and the console hardware you're developing for, you know, it does breed a lot of creativity to work inside of those boxes. I mean, we had some amazing things on the Wii that wouldn't have been developed anywhere else. And, you know, he appreciates that, too. Um, but it is cool to see these interviews where you get to hear, you know, the perspective of, like, you know, just the constraints that they have to work with and how you have to deal with that artistic creativity in an industry where there's so many different aspects that control that in different ways. Yeah, I mean, I could feel for him here, and I can definitely understand, like, the disappointment in the sense of having to... You know, you're you're essentially leaving like the PS2 the guy in question. Sorry, uh, technical lead engineer Jack Matthews. Gotcha. Uh, so you know, I, I understand disappointment. You're coming from you know an era where you have the PlayStation 2 and Xbox and the GameCube, and then you're going over to the Wii, which is pretty much the same exact like constraints as you had. Whereas other teams, it's like somebody the world, took the GameCube and sat on it, right? <laughs> That's all it is. And then made the disc. Yeah. And then the disc flattened out larger because of that. Uh, <laughs> that actually makes a lot of sense now. So yeah, I mean, I, I get it totally. I totally get it. And you know, I can see where like other companies out there, other developers are working on the PlayStation 3 at that point and the Xbox 360 and PC and this guy's sitting on, you know, what's basically a PlayStation 2, uh, you know, again. And so I can totally understand that. I would say, though, the really cool thing, you know, at least for the Wii is that they did, when it came down to developing, have to think about things like the wand and how to be interactive with that. And that's actually kind of a, a cool aspect, right? Like, you weren't really doing that outside maybe the 6-axis on the PlayStation 3. You weren't really doing much of that on yeah. the 360 until at least, you know, the Kinect down the road would be the closest thing. Uh, and you kind of had the PlayStation Eye and doing things like that, but that was such a failure. Well, and the uh, promise of what any of those things could really deliver on, you know, it would take a lot of... Patience to develop something that was, you know, not just waggle sports. Yeah. You know, the interesting thing, too, is that there was a lot of developers, apparently, that decided not to develop for the Wii, mm -hmm. which is funny because, like, it ended up selling over 100 million units and outpaced, you know, the 360 and the PS3. I know. Some people could have probably seen a lot of success and gotten a lot of units shipped on stuff. Yeah. Had they taken that time to really work through. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, okay, you decide to not do this. You decide to ship on the other two, which makes sense in a way, too, because 160 million consoles combined or 170 million, whatever, for those two other companies, plus PC gaming and such. So, you know, they're shipping units, but... 
I mean, you totally just kind of shunned an entire other is, fan base that you could have had more units sold. Is there a Wii Pokemon game? Uh, there's a few Wii Pokemon games. There's not necessarily like an Arceus or like a Diamond or anything, but there's like the Poke Park game that's on there. I don't understand. Like, they should have made there's like Battle Revolution too. I think they should have made console Pokemon games like sooner. I guess they just couldn't figure out a way to make something interesting like i even made a joke in here that i wrote down that i was like you know some people want to be on that bleeding edge of making games and some people are fine to just keep making pokemon every couple of years (laughs) well you know the thing is though you still had the 3ds and 2ds and all of that yeah 2ds later on but the 3ds and ds if you put like an actual pokemon game on a on a wii yeah like it would have sold like 80 billion units oh yeah it would have sold a ton i mean that's why i tried like the poke park i think pikachu's poke park whatever it's called i don't remember offhand uh but you had two of those you had the battle games there's i think two battle games on there and there might have been something else i don't remember offhand but you know regardless i mean people were still creating games for the the handheld consoles yeah so there really wasn't a reason to put it on there but now that nintendo's moved into the switch it makes more sense because it feels like that is going to be is the only thing yeah it is going to be the handheld moving forward is the switch so um at least for a little bit right depending on what nintendo does next generation or if it's a nintendo switch 2 of backwards compatibility who knows um but yeah i can see why pokemon games weren't developed earlier because of that and in the wii u of course sold what 13.5 million consoles lifetime so it wouldn't have made sense to make a crazy pokemon game there they had pokemon tournament or pokemon tournament well we're still talking about Wii. yeah no i know i'm just saying from uh making pokemon games you know on the wii i can understand why they didn't make it there and then i can understand why they didn't do it on the wii u and why the switch is really the first console we've seen like a true like pokemon game other than I guess whatever was on the GameCube. Yeah. So, so I mean, and then, you know, Jackie went on to do other stuff. Uh, some of the games that it named at the end there, one of them was ReCore, which I never played, but I remember seeing the trailer for that. Uh, it was an Xbox One game. And, I mean, it looked like a pretty decently interesting game. It definitely had that step up. So, you know, I'm glad he was able to eventually go on and start to, you know, work in development on those higher-end games like he wanted to. It's, you know... It's good to be able to reach those kind of plateaus, uh, especially, you know, in an industry as competitive as that, where, you know, everybody's hunting for those good jobs on those new titles. So good for him. Yep. All right. Well, let's uh, dive into our next thing here. And I mean, we don't have to be super long on this one. It's, you know, just kind of a general topic on uh, patents. I mostly agreed to put this one on here because I've already been talking about this for years and it's about damn time. <laughs> so uh, Sony could be planning a PlayStation mobile controller patent suggest, and that's uh, Andy Robinson at Video Game Chronicle. And uh, we've referenced these guys before as well. I think they have a podcast too, VGC, I believe. Um, so yeah, I mean, basically it's going into a patent that came out recently. It kind of suggests that there's going to be uh, a controller that kind of fits on both sides of a mobile phone and allows it's like a you... split pad controller. Yeah, style. basically, uh, it looks pretty interesting from the patent. Um, you know, as far as mobile gaming is concerned, for like PlayStation, I could see a number of games I would love to play on mobile and have that opportunity to do that. But now that I kind of had the switch, why would I want to kind of tote around like some controllers and have to hook it up and do all of that crazy stuff? Plus, it's on my phone, and I kind of prefer, especially in travel, for example. I don't want to use my phone to play a bunch of games. I'd rather have a handheld console that I can play my games on. And when that battery dies, all good, because I still have my phone that I can use for emergency purposes. Yeah. I'm a huge, like, I, I really don't like mobile gaming. I think it's a waste. Like, unless you're a kid and you got your parents and they got their phone, cool. But I hate using my phone for gaming because I like to have my battery, just in case. I just, I always feel way less, like connected just because there's no physical controls like and as far as like the solutions i've looked for like one of those controller mounts obviously i've got like a newer phone that's a little bit bigger because it's the z flip three but like so i'm in the minority like if i had just a regular phone i'd be able to just get one of those clips clip it onto my xbox controller and i could play you know my game pass stuff on the go wherever and that'd be super awesome i like this split pad design I've definitely seen it before. I think that Sony really, and I've talked about this, I think they could have success if they did like a branded PS phone. It was like a dedicated gaming phone. 
you know, they could charge like a little bit higher price tag than what they're charging on their mainline phones, have this split pad that comes with it as a bundle. And you got to make sure that it has like a pass through charge. So, you know, as it's covering up your ports, you can run a power to it. Um, or even think, like an external battery pack or something that's added to it. Yeah, something yeah. in the controller perhaps that operates off of that battery too. Um, you know, I think that having it be an all Sony thing would have way more success. I just feel like if they come out with like this split pad, it's only going to work on some phones and it's only going to work for so long and... You know, eventually you get to the point where it's not going to work with your case and then it's too much of a hassle. I just don't think you're going to get that much traction as it on its own. But if you combine it with your own phone line and did it as its own product that came together, I think they could find some success. Especially if like, imagine like a sweet, like classic PlayStation gray one and like a black one with like the blue playstation highlight accents like they could make some sharp look at stuff yeah you know i agree there could be some cool things that they can do with that um it's not something that i would necessarily get personally if that were to come out just because you know like i said i'm not a huge fan of using my phone specifically for games uh due to the battery but if there was something like expandable memory and the ability to um you know have an external battery pack that's you know kind of connects in and make sure that you're not using that that reserve of your personal phone's battery that would be pretty cool and i could see myself getting something like that but if it's just like some sort of peripheral that kind of attaches and and that's about it count me out 100 percent. like yeah. i don't want anything to do with that well uh definitely let us know your thoughts on that um within our social media channels um you know always interested to hear opinions so Next, we have our inflation deflation segment, and this week, Todd's adventure in Slime World. Uh, this was developed by Microworld. It is uh, published by Renovation Products, uh, and it was released in June of 1992. It is an action adventure game, and the reception was around a 6.25. Apparently, oh. the Lynx version, uh, I think it's whatever version on there, uh, that you it's had supposed it to be Lynx, better, right? Yeah, yeah, it's supposed to be better than that. Yeah, that one's got like nines. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, so I don't know what the difference was. I mean, honestly, this game started off, and I wasn't super happy about it. Like, it looks very much like Duke Nukem or Commander Keen or any of those like old-school side-scrolling adventure kind of games, and I just missed out on all of those, you know? Especially those like real PC ones, you know, from back in the day. And I... Uh, you were playing mostly in the beginning, but by the time I actually took over the controls and, you know, we had looked up through the manual and started kind of getting a feel for it, uh, I really started to come around on it. It's got, you know, some stuff that's not so great and it's got some stuff that I think is actually like pretty... I don't know if I want to say innovative because I don't know that this was really groundbreaking in any way, but well implemented. Like once you get the hang of like your items that you have, uh, it becomes very easy to just quickly activate something to get through a situation. Um, it looks fine. It sounds fine. Um, my biggest complaint is probably just like for a game that's like this, it's like a side scrolling uh, action adventure you've got a map kind of like a metroidvania but instead of being like a continuous uh, long game you're just kind of running around collecting items collecting gems trying to make your way out um very labyrinthian everything gets goo on you if you get gooped too much you die you can jump in these water pools wash yourself off uh, you have items that are like slime shields, jet packs. You spray a water gun. Most things die from your water gun in one hit and explode into slime. Um, everything kind of looks the same everywhere you go. There's not like a lot of different topography. Everything's just kind of green slime everywhere. So that's the biggest downfall of the game is just the sameness. I don't know how long this would really hold your attention. Well, and, you know, there's, what, like, six different types of adventures that you can do. It's, like, easy, logic, action. Yeah, and they all have versions. more emphasis on, like, this one's more combat. This one's bigger map. This one's 
uh, you don't have a gun. You've got to just dodge and avoid. Yeah, but it's very much like the same thing over and over. Yeah. There's not like... A, Unlimited like lives. Uh-huh. Just building up a high score before you eventually make it out of the maze. Yeah, exactly. So it's not like there's a ton of crap going on with this game that is super exciting. You know, if you're looking at it from a high score perspective and you want to try and get the highest score possible and play with your buddies to see who does better, I'd like to great. see a speed run of this. Yeah, yeah, that'd be pretty... I'm sure there is. Um... You know, I think when you look at it from like a high score of your buddies, like the different challenge modes offer a little bit for every situation. There is a co-op mode, obviously. We couldn't do. Yeah, well, yeah, because I didn't have the other, I didn't have a Sega controller set up for the Hypergun. Um, but I mean, overall, in my opinion, I think it controlled fairly well. There was a few little things here and there, like when you're latching on the walls and like trying to get down, sometimes it could be a pain It'd be ass. goofy. Yeah, there was a little bit. I tried to run that. off that one ledge like five times when that thing was on my head and it just wouldn't let me drop down. That was hilarious. Yeah, it was a good laugh. Uh, the different pickups are pretty cool. Using the items is very straightforward. I mean, we learned hold down the A button and then you can just kind of go up yeah. with a jetpack and whatnot. Uh, some different, you know, cool items kind of help you on the adventure. But I think the aspect of like unlimited lives kind of kills it in a way, which is weird, right? Because you would like to have the unlimited lives normally for like a platform just removes any consequence yeah exactly and it's kind of like oh cool and the thing is is like when you kill a bunch of enemies and then you die they, they are it. dead yeah they're dead altogether so like we had a bomb that went off and i wiped out an entire room and a bunch of goo or slime and then i died went back and it's like cool now i could just progress you like, just kind of brute force your way through yeah exactly which i mean you know back in the day there was you know the how hard is this game going to be so that we try to make you have to rent it three times? Yeah. Or, you know, is this game just punishingly difficult for something stupid because it's only five levels? Yeah. You know, well, at least they built the replayability into trying to have different ideas and let you actually be able to accomplish those goals instead of just gating everything off for insane splash goo damage on like sometimes you go into a room and the enemies do just respawn like instantly yeah. like these little maggot things that explode mm -hmm. and unless you just run through them there's nothing you can do and there's some enemies are a little difficult to kill than others and I, you know i can't appreciate the unlimited lives because there are times where we play some of these retro games and you kind of go through like three or four levels and then you die and you lose all your lives. Like, all right, we're going to start you from the very beginning. We're not going to play this again. We're yeah. done. Yeah, like <laughs> We've played enough. Time yeah. to go do the recording. Now, if I, yeah, exactly. Now, if I was sitting back and it was on my own and, you know, yeah, kind of like uh, was it Wolfchild, you know, mm -hmm. beat that game, enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. And, you know, you kind of start from the very beginning, but you get used to the challenge. You kind of continue progressing and you make your way through the game until you beat it with no problem. Um, but this game, yeah. I mean, just the, the five or six different challenge modes you have um, and then just the unlimited lives, it does kind of make it repetitive. It makes it a little too easy. There isn't much challenge knowing I can just keep going. It doesn't matter if my character dies. Um, I really do wish there was a little more consequence to it. And that's kind of the only fault I would have outside of the weird shaky ass camera. Yeah, the Dude. camera was weird. We tried like changing like the scan lines and the filter and it kind of just kept making it worse. Yeah, we got it to a point really good, but it's more so like the up and down of the yeah. camera. Like I was getting motion sick looking at it. Maybe it's I just know, age. I know, it was like we were playing on a ship. Yeah, maybe it's just age. Uh <laughs> Uh, but yeah, dude, so I think looking at this game, um, you know, the brass tacks that you got noted here, complete in box is 9530, peaked at 9530 in, in this year, actually, or this right month, now. and that's uh, trending way up. I mean, you said what, the game was like $25 back in June or something? In January of 2020, this was like a $25 game. Yeah, it's completely skyrocketed, uh, like everything else, but I don't think I've seen levels like that. That's insane. Um, and then a, a loose copy of this game is running at 1723. That peaked in June, actually, at a 28.47 June of this year. Uh, trending, it, it kind of, it's funny, if you look at, like, stocks, for example, a lot, like I do, you'll see, like, you've got your peak, and then it goes down, and then it goes up a little bit, yeah. and it skyrockets back down, yeah. and it's kind of... We're so, at that little tail. We're at the little tail in the very bottom, so it would not surprise me to see this game hit 30 bucks in a few months uh, for a loose copy. Um, you know, it's not widely popular, and of I course, think it was in the 30 range before it dropped down to the 25. Like it was kind of higher and then it went down and then. Yeah, just like stocks. Yeah, it, it so. It went all the way up 
shot down again, went all the way up, and then we're back on the down frame of it. So I would say based on its prior uh, history, this one is probably going to be trending up pretty soon. So if you haven't picked it up, definitely pick this game up. It's it's interesting, you know, at, at 17 bucks, I could say this is the price that I would want to pick it up for. You know, I'd say this is just right. If it goes anything above this, if it's in the $20, $30 range, uh, I would say it's not worth it at that point. It's just not, it's not a ton of fun. Yeah. But I mean, it's fun enough that it can hold your attention for $17, right? And if you got a buddy over to come and play it with you, you can easily blaze through this game, you know, within a day. No mm-hmm. problem. And if and, you can find a box copy oh yeah for like 30 bucks the artwork is great on this game I yeah love the artwork it's one of my favorites i know i picked up mine i don't think mine's complete um i gotta double check but it's for sure with the box mm-hmm. and uh i picked it up for like 12 bucks like i don't know 10 years ago so i got lucky right uh on that one uh but yeah check out the box we've got on our instagram as well took a nice little photo with the video game background and such and some shading um but i like it i like the artwork on this one a lot um but you're right repetitive um not exactly the most amazing of games but for the price right now it is fun enough to pick it up well uh i don't know what we're playing next week we probably should have played two games we'll find out we'll find out we'll probably play on one of the mini consoles did you fix your playstation one classic yet? not yet you should probably fix that i should so we can play some playstation games yeah on there that'd be nice wouldn't it uh yeah but worst case scenario maybe we can play uh some sort of game on a super nintendo because you don't have the nes mini right no no so super nintendo mini. Oh, do you is... have the do we still have the switch online uh i mean i don't have switch online but you might but there's a bunch of nes games on there yeah if you you have switch online yet or no i think so okay i used to okay. i don't know if it's been more than a year though well, if you decide to pick up Switch Online, then we can play some NES games if I've got some. Or Sega games, actually. Uh, I'm not going to get the expansion pass. Oh, okay. Well, NES games and SNES I was actually games. thinking about that, like, because people started getting their hands on those um, N64 controllers. Yeah. And I want one of those. I mean, but they're super hard to find right now. I hate the N64 controller to begin with, so um, not exactly something I'm interested in buying. Yeah, I think I'm going to get one of those and probably the expansion pass just to play around with Paper Mario on an N64 controller again. I think yeah. that that would be fun. That'd be cool. Yeah. Well, we'll figure out next week, and uh, we'll get back to y'all on that one. Uh, but that being said, this has been episode 159 of a Game to Players podcast. My name is John. I'm Ryan. And thanks for listening. Thanks.